If we had a retractable roof here, we'd be we great. Would, yeah, it'd be open right now. It would. I, I will tell you I'm not at the pool this week, so, you know, you don't have to be too jealous. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a busy week, right? Probably no pool time this week. Yeah, no pool time this week. There's a lot going on. You were there yesterday. What were your thoughts? I, I thought it was well done. I, I think that it's great to see Barry Trotz back in Smashville. It sort of feels right for him to be there. I'm a big Barry Trotz fan. I'm certainly eager to watch him in this new role. So I think all that's great. I, I think there's a lot to celebrate about David Poyle. I think the big question going forward is how prepared is Barry Trotz to step away from the bench and to be a manager in the National Hockey League as opposed to a coach? Because they're very different roles. You can be a smart hockey person, but maybe not step into that role immediately and feel like you have a great grasp on everything. I think that's one question. How prepared is he for it? And then number two, with his experiences elsewhere and what he did in Washington and then what he did with the Islanders, does he come back with a little different philosophy or how much is he completely aligned? Because, and Darren, you would know this better than I do because you covered them from the beginning all the way through those 15 years. But my impression was that David Poyle and Barry Trotz were almost the same people in terms of what they viewed the Nashville Predators and how it needed to look on the ice. And that's why it was such a good marriage for such a long time at the beginning. But I think there's a lot of Predators fans out there right now that want to see something different. They want a little bit more juice. They want a little bit different style on the ice than what we've seen the last couple of years from the Predators. Is Barry Trotz enough different than what David Poyle has been doing or, or kind of building this team out to be? when he comes back now. I think that's the big question. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, and it'll be very interesting to see how all this plays out because it seems like Barry has been involved in these trades. What else will the Predators do? And, you know, we talked about this yesterday, uh, and I'll ask you the same question, Steve. Like, what what do you think is, you know, what do you think John Hines is thinking right now? And then, you know, with more moves possibly to come, you know, do you – do you think Barry has a good idea of how he'll address that? I think, you know, that's going to be an end of the season thing. I think at this point, you know, nothing's going to, nothing would happen, you know, in the next week or so. I think this is going to be after the year is up. Do you think Barry knows today what he wants to do with the head coach position? Or do you think he wants to wait and see all this play out? You know, get to know him, see you know what he's about. Go to practices, go on, go on some road trips, which he'll do. What What do you think? My guess, Darren, is that he wants to watch this play out and see how it finishes. I mean, for one, the Predators aren't completely out of no, it. No, they're not. I, I would say I would say it's a long shot, but look, they've just won three games in a row. If they win tonight and they go on this road trip and play well, who knows where they might end up being? And if they somehow find their way into the playoffs. It's hard for me to imagine the Predators walking away from John Hines after a finish to the season like that. So I, I would think that he wants to come in and watch how things play out. But at the same time, I, I just don't know. John Hines isn't his guy, that, that's for sure. And so as he walks in, based off of what he sees, is it possible he makes a move? I certainly think that that's possible. But I imagine that is a decision that he will make once the season is over, once they start talking about the summer and the plans for next season and not necessarily have made up in his mind right now. But it will be very interesting to see how much of a change comes this summer. And the other part of it, if, if I've got this correct, and I'm pretty sure I do, David Boyle is going to be there through the draft. 
And so as they have all these draft selections here in the Nashville draft this summer, David Boyle is still going to be in that room. Now, will Barry Trotz be right there too and maybe just as much pulling the lever as David Boyle will be on those final couple of days? That may be the case, but it's going to be interesting how much he gets involved before July 1st and that actual date that he officially becomes the general manager. Before we move on to the Titans, I will say this, Steve, and I feel this I, I, nothing's going to change. I, I'm, I'm just going to go on and say it now because I will feel this way at the end of June when the draft is here. I don't think there's any doubt. The draft being in this city, in that arena, it, they're going to make a splash. The, something big. There there will be a kaboom trade. I, I really feel like, I feel that will happen. They will make noise over those two days the draft is here, in my opinion. Uh- I think there's a great chance of that, and they're certainly compiling the assets to do it, right? I mean, they've got the picks. They've got 11 picks this summer. I mean, that's a bit of a splash right there in its own right. But can you package some of those together to move up and do something really special in the draft, perhaps? Now you've got two first-round picks in 2025. Can you move one of those and do something earlier in the draft this summer, perhaps? And that's the other thing. And Barry Trotz kind of hinted at this. I'm not sure if you were around yesterday when I talked to him about this and I sort of said, Barry, as you look at it, as you've gotten more involved here in the last couple of weeks, how far do you think this team is away? And he said, it's not fair to answer that question right now. But the other thing he said is it's a very fluid situation. And he pointed to the New York Rangers who decided that they were going to rebuild. And then lo and behold, got the first and second pick in the draft and the rebuild was over. You know, they were they were basically right back in contention of things almost immediately after signing Panarin. And he said, things are fluid like that. And so whatever we decide, whatever direction it goes, I'm not going to put a timetable on it or a time frame because it's always different in, in terms of your circumstances and what comes your way. And And while I believe that, I have to think you're right. With the timing of the draft this summer – and finally, the Predators looking like they're saying it is time to reboot the thing. Maybe not a full rebuild. David Poyle still wants to say reset. But they're, they're rebooting the program here at the moment. And with the draft coming this summer, it certainly seems like a time they would want to make a splash. Yep. Uh, there'll be uh, people trying to make a splash for a week up in Indianapolis as the Combines are underway, uh, or at least today is a lot of talking. Uh, Mike Vrabel, I guess, is going to speak here this after is he he's already spoken. did he, did he speak okay yep. so just started okay so Mike Vrabel speaking uh you had new GM Rand Carthon spoke earlier today a couple hours ago uh, I think Tim Kelly so all the coaches and new GM well, what do you think the Titans uh, look that there, there's a lot of things they have to address but what do you think ultimately they're going up there this week to try to accomplish I think a lot of things. I, I think they realize, and Mike Vrabel sort of said as much early on in his comments today, that there's a lot of positions they've got to address. and They've got to find better football players all around the roster. This isn't about one quarterback or, I'm going to try and quote him now, one running back. I don't think anybody thinks they're replacing Derrick Henry. But th- this, isn't, this isn't about finding one guy to get you over at the top. This is a Titans team that lost their final seven games and didn't go to the playoffs. And they've got to fix a lot of things. They've got to fix the offensive line. They've got to find more weapons at wide receiver. They've got to address some positions on defense, especially if they decide to move away from Bud Dupree. 
there are issues that they've got to upgrade. And so I think they go up there with a very open mind looking to try and find the best football players and the guys who fit what they want to do the best as they start moving into the offseason, which may help them in free agency when that starts in a couple of weeks in terms of what they're going to try and identify and pay for right now versus what they then think they can draft at the end of April. I think that's going to be very important for them here. And the emphasis seems to be clear. They want guys with speed. They want guys who are physical. And they want guys who can do more than one thing. I think I, I think the goal for Mike Vrabel, at least, is to get away from the offensive system in which you have a running tight end or a pass-catching tight end or receivers that are particularly good at blocking in the physical part of the game but not necessarily an every-down catching wide receiver and vice versa. I think he believes that they've telegraphed with personnel too much in recent years, and they want to get themselves in a position where they can be more versatile regardless of the people on the field and the personnel that they're using. And so I think they go up there with a very open mind, just simply trying to find the best football players to sort of overhaul this roster and make them more competitive next year. What do you make of Rand Cawthorn's comments about Ryan Tannehill, that he is under contract and will be a Titan next year? I, I believe him because of all the things I've told you guys for the last several several weeks, maybe even months at this point, is yes, you could part ways with Ryan Tannehill and you could save some money in that situation. But what's your alternative? What are you doing? I mean, are you bringing in Derek Carr as a free agent? And do you think that's somehow an upgrade? And are you going to sign him for one year and reevaluate next year? And if that's the case, why don't you write out Tannehill's contract? Or are you going to draft a quarterback and sort of hinge the hopes of the future of the franchise on a rookie QB without satisfying your needs up front on the offensive line and what could be a completely new-looking offensive line next year. To me, it just screams that this team has so many other needs and holes that they've got to figure out that you have a quarterback there that's been pretty adept at dealing with a bad offensive line. He's shown himself to be pretty durable until he literally couldn't walk at the end of this season to go out there and get you through next season. And will he be great? Will he light the world on fire? I don't know. I don't know what's going to be around him or what's going to be in front of him. But I think he can get you through next season as you try to build this roster up. And if you do an exceptional job of building, I think he's a good enough quarterback to help you win the division and get you back to the playoffs. If you don't, then you realize sort of where you're at next year and you can finish the rebuilding process while making your decision about quarterback for the future. So when Rand Carthon says Ryan Tannehill's under contract and he will be a Titan, I believe him. Do you think they'll add another quarterback to the roster, the actual roster, or is it the Malik and Tannehill show one more time? I think there will definitely be another quarterback working with them in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, the the camp, sure, yeah. Yeah, whether that's Josh Dobbs again, whether that's somebody out there, whether it's an undrafted free agent college quarterback, I don't know the answer to that. But I do think there will be some competition there. And I don't think it's an absolute given that Malik Willis is here Hmm. next year. I I just, I mean, he did nothing for me this past year that screams to me like he's a guy that can just flip the switch and be a totally different quarterback this year. And if that's the case, especially if you're worried about the offensive line and maybe the ability for Tannehill to get through 17 games, I don't know if the Titans want to be planning on having three or four games again next year, perhaps with Malik Willis 
having to be the starting quarterback. And so I think they'll be I think the room will be crowded as they go into the summer and into fall camp and I think there could be a, a competition, but to me the competition's probably for that second QB spot and not for number one. All right, Steve, it's clear that when it comes to the draft pick, if they stay at eleven The top two choices for me is either left tackle or wide receiver. I'm leaning towards wide receiver, uh, and I'm going to stay with that unless something dramatic changes. What is the third position that could go number one for the Titans in this upcoming draft? First off, I think you're right, Justin. I think those are the two most likely options, and I would go with whoever is the best player on the board because too often this franchise in the last few years – has taken first-round draft picks that I think are a bit of a flyer, whether it's medical issues in their past or you know just a total dud of a pick in Isaiah Wilson. I think you've got to find the guy that, between the wide receiver and tackle position, you are absolutely positive as you're starting left tackle or number one or two wide receiver on day one next fall. So I think it's likely that if I was going to go to another position – I would probably say pass rusher, and that mm. and that would be most likely contingent on a decision coming on Bud Dupree. And Rand Carthon was non-committal there today. He said that he's still evaluating and trying to figure it out. And obviously, he's got time because he can go till June first or even after with the Bud Dupree decision. And I think I've told you guys this before as well with Dupree and his health. I think you can take all the time you want to try to make this decision because. When Dupree was healthy and right, which maybe we've only seen sort of December of, of 21 into that playoff game against Cincinnati, he was a beast out there for the Titans. I mean, he was incredibly important and changed the dynamic of this defense. And if you think there's any shot he can get back to that and be healthy next year, opposite a healthy Harold Landry, that's worth paying for. And that's worth keeping around. And I don't know if you can do better than that in the draft, but... If you have real concerns, then there's reason to be concerned based off of what we saw last year, then it's probably not worth the price tag. And so, again, I, I think Rand Carthon's wise to take his time there, but the ultimate decision there, especially if he can know it by the end of April, may lead him to, to opt to go for a pass rusher if he likes what he sees there at that position. This time, a few years ago, we would all have been sitting around talking about a young quarterback out of Oregon uh, who could be the next great NFL quarterback or perhaps the quarterback out of Florida State who could be the next great NFL quarterback. Who do you go? What do you do? Winston versus Marcus Mariota. And today, Marcus Mariota is released from his third team in the National Football League. I mean... after everything we've seen here, Steve, and we've seen the whole thing, why didn't it work out here? What, what was the flag we were supposed to see at Oregon or anywhere else that Marcus Mariota was not a franchise quarterback, or is that just unavoidable in this kind of a process? Well, you see it sometimes. Just the guys at the top of the draft don't always pan out. Certainly quarterbacks don't always pan out the way you expect. I think there's some to blame for the Chip Kelly offense. And Oregon, I mean, they run Mm. at an electric pace. He ran the ball very effectively in college, but so often it was open field running. You know, he wasn't taking a beating. He was literally just running by defenses that were fooled or gassed or or whatever, you know, adjective you want to use trying to defend a Chip Kelly offense. And in terms of Mariota himself back there as a quarterback, 
most of the time when he was passing, he was passing to guys who were very open. And in the NFL, as we know, you've got to be able to throw a guy open from the quarterback position from time to time. And I, I think we've just seen over the course of his career that Marcus isn't very good at doing that. He's an okay quarterback if it's there to be thrown to. But if you're trying to elevate the guys around you, which we so often talk about the QB position, and you're trying to create some separation where there is no separation by fitting the ball in there perfectly, he just hasn't shown the ability to do that at this level. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a good leader Mm -hmm. in the locker room. I think he's a good athlete. But I just think it's proven that he is not a starting caliber NFL quarterback. I think he'll be on a roster somewhere next year. I think he – he provides a, a change-up potentially like the role he had in Vegas. I think if somebody got hurt, you know, certainly I'd rather have him starting a game than Malik Willis right now. I'm not suggesting he should come back here, by the way. I'm just saying he. I think he's a solid <laughs> backup in the league, but I think the days of Marcus Mariota being a starter – are probably done. Okay, I was going to end with the follow-up, but uh, clearly you answered <laughs> that. Uh, real quick on the way out, what do you think about Luke Steckel? Nine years here, hired as the assistant offensive line coach for the Bears. Huh. Well, yeah, it, it's interesting, and it, it adds some intrigue to me about the new offensive staff and what all the titles mean, because I, I think we've had this discussion about what does it mean when you have not just an offensive coordinator – but a pass game coordinator mm-hmm. and a run game coordinator. And then you also have a pass game analyst and a run game analyst. And those two analysts used to be position coaches, but now they're not position coaches anymore. Is that a elevation? Is that a promotion? Or is that a demotion? And it's, it seems to me, reading the tea leaves, I'd be curious if anybody asked Mike Drabel this in, in the minutes he spoke up there today in Indy. I'd be curious what he says about that because it reads to me like Luke Steckel thought it was a demotion that he was working with the offensive line that he was working with the tight ends and now he was just just I put in quotes the run game analyst and the idea that he could go off to another place and be back as a position coach seemed to be a more intriguing option to me or to him. Yeah. So uh, it, it makes me wonder how Pat O'Hara feels. It makes me wonder what the dynamic of the room is. Sounds like Mike Vrabel wants another one of those analysts in that role. So he wants a lot of guys on his staff. He wants a lot of people collaborating, to use that word again, and to have everybody involved and everybody to have a title. And I think he thinks it's good for those guys' promotion and their chances of upward mobility, whether it's in the organization or elsewhere. But it appears right now that Luke Steckel thought his best chance of upward mobility – was to leave and go take an offensive line job in Chicago and move out of the run game analyst job here. An assistant offensive line job. Yeah. It is. Uh, Mike Rabel's come a long way as a head coach. Now he is all about titles, where before he was like, what's the big <laughs> yeah. deal about titles? What's the big deal about it? Big deal. Titles mean Now nothing. everybody gets titles. <laughs> you get a title. You get a title. You in the back, you get a title. Or two years ago, he's like, what's the big deal about titles? Just saying. That's exactly right. Darren, you, you are radio show coordinator for the afternoon. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Justin, you are radio show analyst. Thank Both you. You still host. You guys, you guys are doing a great job. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Steve, appreciate it as always. By the way, John Burton is up in Indy, so you guys will have coverage tonight? He is in Indy, so hopefully that means I have less work to do tonight.
All right. So check out <laughs> News Channel 5. Steve will be hosting, and John uh, Burton will be an analyst up in Indianapolis. You haven't heard something. anything until you've heard those phone calls between, so, like, you got what? What? Did you get this? Well, why not? I got to do that? Well, that wasn't the end of mine. I'm sorry. <laughs>